welcome to the Naked Podcaster. Get ready to hear stories of someone brave enough to bear it all. Your past doesn't define you, but it does lead you on a path to today. Let's get naked. Hello and welcome to the Naked Podcaster. Today I have the privilege of interviewing Gina Rhoda. Gina, how are you? Jen, I'm wonderful. Thank you. In spite of it all, <laughs> I choose to be amazing. How are See? You? Me, I'm the same. It doesn't matter. It's always a good day, 100%. Tell me about your website. I'm on it. The website and everything will be in the show notes, but it's theartofconsciouscoaching.com. Yes. Fill me in on this. This is a really fantastic website. Well, <clears throat> it, it originally ended, wanted, I wanted it to just be a landing page because all my coaching clients and numerology clients came through referrals. I've never had to go online or do social media, but I, I was guided to just put something up, have some pretty colors, have just a little information so that people could get a sense of what was possible uh, for them, how I could serve them or support them. And um, I do love that website. <laughs> I love the colors. And so it just really uh, speaks into the gifts that I've been given and so grateful to um, coach and to mentor and to inspire and to uplift um, each individual that I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to work with. It's such an exciting website and I'm glad that you have something there. I felt like that when I wrote my book, like now I have to have a website and it ended up not being about the book, but that's okay. You talk about your services and loving yourself, accepting and valuing, deeper intimacy, um, seven secrets to experience real love and couple compatibility. And I think this is so fascinating. I love this stuff. But you also talk about something that really speaks to me. Do you want your children to grow up being responsible, respectful, and grateful? And I do a ton with increasing, compounding joy and gratitude. So yes. I love this. Tell me, you, you like you just said, you don't have to look for or promote yourself to get guests how do they find you who are they well because i've been in many genres i was in the fashion industry for 30 years fashion music and entertainment and sports and so along the way actually um, i used those platforms to coach and mentor men very specifically i used to dress uh, the most famous wealthy men in the world so that's my background and I was also coaching and mentoring them all along the way. So um, referrals, you know, I used to work with uh, big uh, record labels and dress the heads of the labels and then they would refer me. And then I'd uh, work with many famous entertainers and then they would refer me. So it was just a really perfect flow. You worked with the NBA. I mean, you worked with really huge names. Huge names. So from, Francis Ford Coppola to Elton John to Nicolas Cage to Eddie Murphy for 10 years and his family, almost the entire NBA, except for the Bulls and maybe one other team. I mean, really the top three or four players. Um, I have worked with a lot of famous baseball players and a few football players and all the famous boxers. So, you know, my, my fashion background spans over, I started probably 1979 and just really left in about 2009, just kind of went, you know what, I'm on to the next. Well, that was a long time. How did you get into that? That's, we're talking before internet, so it was yes. before any of that stuff um, in the late 70s. And how, how did you find this niche? It's pretty incredible. Well, I was very entrepreneurial, very young, and I came from a very 
simple family, Italians, peasants from Italy. <laughs> and, uh, but they were very loving and very hardworking and they never chased money. They were not about the money, they were about family and friends and um, health and wellness. But at 14, I decided I was gonna work because I had expensive tastes. So my mother worked at a health food store and I was able to open up the, the uh, elixir bar, the smoothie bar with the owner. And he was Mr. Arizona at the time. I think I was about 14 and a half. And I met Arnold Schwarzenegger and Franco Colombo. Franco tried to marry me, but I was only 14 and a half. They thought I was 20 years old. <laughs> so that was kind of fun and exciting. So I worked in the health food store after school. In the, in, on weekends, um, <clears throat> I worked for Jeans West. And weekend nights, I catered, made a lot of money catering. And then on Sunday mornings, I served golfers their breakfast. So I had like four gigs going on at all times. <laughs> so, because I was buying $100 pair of shoes at 15, crazy, but true. So, you know, I just love fashion. Uh, my mother was an interior decorator designer, and she was also uh, a designer of wedding gowns, but not formally, but she had exquisite talents. I can't draw, but I received a lot of her gifts, and I'm so grateful. Um, I can see things. I can see how to put it together, how to sculpt it, how to arrange colors. And when uh, I worked for Versace, <clears throat> uh, they loved my ability to combine color and texture. And really, even though I had a stellar background in, in uh, retail management, high end, they loved my ability to be able to, I was doing Johnny Versace before I knew who he was, just in terms of blending and mixing colors. I'm an alchemist. And I was working with aromatherapy and uh, writing songs. <laughs> so anything, anything regarding the creative arts and anything that was about beauty and healing. So my, my greatest passion besides music is healing and wellness. And I think it's the greatest gift besides unconditional love that you can offer people. And so somehow people call me medical intuitive. I'm not sure about that, but I am very intuitive about people's health. And I know how to guide them. And I actually pray and meditate and ask what's in their highest good. And I'm still doing that to this day. So that started 1970, 69, 70. And I'm still doing that. And people call me from all over the world, actually. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So just, you know, it's just being involved in so many different genres at a very early age. And then, you know, going in and getting the job at Casual Corner and then getting promoted and then managing iMagnin in Scottsdale, the men's department. So just, you know, it was one divine flow after another. And meeting certain people. I mean, yeah. meeting Arnold way back then and you didn't ever get married to any of them though, did you? No, I didn't. And I, I was never intimate with any of them either. But Arnold was, I was laughing at Arnold. You know, I'm 14 and a half, I'm laughing at Arnold, but Arnold had this huge chest and he asked me to measure it. And there was some event going on at the health food store. And I'm like, oh, I can't stand his muscles, <laughs> the way they look. But I measured him and it was at like 61 and a half inches. I'll never forget that. And he was so proud of himself. And then I heard him say something like, I'm going to be the, the next president of the United States of America. And I started laughing hysterically. <laughs> But, <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> here we are, 1969-70. It's actually 1970 now. Um, and I really respect what he did. I don't love everything that he did, but I really respect that he had that vision. And that's, that, that sparked me a little bit. You know, he was Mr. World at the time. Franco was Mr. Europe. And then Dr. Deal was Mr. Arizona. 
and I just got a sense of what was possible. Here's a foreigner, could barely speak the language, didn't know, you know, I, I, I thought he was not very intelligent somehow, not judging him, but just like, wow, if this man or these men can create something like this, what's possible for me as an American? And even though they're men, I'm a young woman, I had a vision that I was powerful and that I could create all things with, with support. Holy cow, I love that. And you were so young. Yes. So young. Take me back now a little bit. I mean, we didn't even really talk a ton. You do so many things. And now, so what's your first, let's talk about what is your focus right now? I know the website is there as a placeholder yes. and everything's by referral, but what's your main focus in the present? So what I'm loving and have a profound passion for is, is writing. And I was invited in and so grateful, graciously invited in by uh, Kat O'Keefe Cannabis and Patricia um, into Chaos to Clarity by Sacred Stories. And it was, it's a profound journey for me. It's cathartic. I've had many epiphanies. It sparked everything. I've been told many times I will write 25 books by the time I'm 75. And I've, I have five started or eight started, but I never finished anything. And so when Kat insisted so intuitively um, and, and, and graciously, uh, after angsting for many months, I finished the, the chapter. And it was difficult because uh, my boyfriend had died in a tragic hit and run and um, having to keep going over that and rereading it and editing it brought up everything in my life. Right? I tapped every note because that's what death does or pass, passing does, right? And it's very much a part of life, but you, when you face it like that, um, it's, very, it's very deep. So I'm writing, uh, I I'm, I'm, love interviewing, thank you, thank you. Um, I'm doing a lot of coaching. I love coaching uh, women who are in power, like CEOs, but I actually love to teach them how to empower others and lead from love. So anything around training trainers and training leaders, I, I teach conscious communication which is important when you write as well. You have to have um, a broad and vast understanding of the words, the word, right? So I'm gonna continue to write books. I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish one book next year. That's my commitment. I'm gonna continue to promote Chaos to Clarity because it's such a exquisite book with so many divine stories that everyone can relate to and benefit from and, and it can activate you to rise up and to change your life and transform your life. It's very transformational. So my whole life has been about transformational work, really, quite honestly. I mean, I, I'm an alchemist. I work with oils right now, and my son and I are getting ready to go in the studio. So writing, right? Music, coaching. It's all related to me. It's all alchemy to me, and it's all interrelated. So I do everything that I love. I do everything that I love, and I, and I, my, my, dream for everybody my prayer is that they get to do their passion and their purpose and i in numerology i love to show people how to look at their mission and purpose differently than a goal or a dream or getting approval from a family member or the world or something there's a deeper piece to understanding your mission and purpose and i love that that's one of my loves 
I think it's so difficult for us, and I don't know if it's more difficult for women, I would make that statement, but I'm not sure that it's 100% accurate, but I think because we're the mothers and the caretakers, I know for me, it's really hard to, one, figure out what your purpose and passion is entirely, and then completely be unapologetic about going for it. Yes. So part of it is figuring it out, right? And the other part is really going for it and the and everything surrounding that. So you with the numerology help people figure it out? Yes. So the gift and the blessing really is I can go deep into the soul's code and the heart code. And I can help weave a very rich tapestry, if you will, uh, and a cosmic web of light of what is possible and what is in your code both on the high note and the low note, and then how to transform and transcend what isn't working. I'm going to say the unhealthy, unhappy part of the code. So it's, 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 it's such a gift. I've never studied. I've gotten a divine download. Thank you, God and the universe and angels. I love that. I love that because everybody right now, lots of people are very lonely, one, very hateful. There's a lot of hate in the world. And uh, people are lost, even young ones. I work with a lot of young ones. I've co-raised over two dozen myself and, and coached and mentored them. And so it's just always about the communicating in a way that really uplifts somebody, yourself first, you know, change your, change your words, change your life, because you, your words and your thoughts create what you're feeling and what you're speaking and then your experience. And so it's simple but no people are having a difficult time shifting the frame. They think it's outside of themselves. And I love to train people to come back in, come back into the power of love, the power of truth and the power of courage and the power of neutrality and peace. And I, I think that's the greatest thing that I could do. One, just one individual at a time, people inspiring people, one person at a time. I know that one of the biggest things, I love what you said about changing your words because there's so much power in words. Yes. And I, what I see in myself and what I think I see the most in other people is how you use your words surrounding finance. Yes. Yeah. And, yes. and it's a hard one. I had a conversation with my husband about it yesterday. And, you know, it's not about not affording it. It's about not prioritizing it right now or, um, creating a list of priorities financially or it's very, very hard to shift that the words that you're using. So yeah. I, I imagine it is in every area, but I know finance is so enormous. It's so over, feels so overwhelming and it's limiting. True. It, that's a poignant point in that I had a, a business meeting with my CTO. My son and I are developing a coaching mentoring app called conscious coach I'm doing that right now as well. But I had a meeting and everybody was talking about finances and money and uh, business and finances. And I have a different training, teaching, understanding about it. And for me, it's about how do we all prosper together and how do we be abundant and how do we uh, not compare or compete or conform, quite honestly, but how do we inspire, uplift, share, so I'm training the team. I said to them, listen, I don't need to be the COO, but I'm going to train the team because we have to be very intentional with what we're thinking and what we're speaking. And we have to hold the containers. So it's one thing to think it, speak it, and then the next five minutes you're thinking, speaking something else. But I love to hold the container. I hold the energy. I hold the energy. And I walk in faith. I'm a faith walker. And I just walk in faith every step that I take. 
I want to point out something totally off subject because when we first came on and we were chatting, we were pre-gaming, yeah. um, I had your website up and it's behind the Zoom window. And I saw, I said, oh, you have Botticelli's The Birth of Venus, which is yeah. behind you. And Crete is, so tell me the meaning behind that. I don't know if it's related at all, but I have that print and I don't think lots of people, I was pretty impressed that I could recognize it. Like, oh my gosh, I know what that is right there. And it's well, right I'm, I'm so happy you did. And you are very much Venus. You know, Venus is an archetype, the Roman archetype, but the original archetype was, uh, the, well, it was actually Egyptian, but the Greek archetype was Aphrodite, and then she's Venus in the Roman. So Aphrodite and Venus are the goddesses of love, but it's been very twisted and skewed, quite honestly, and I believe perverted, because I've done a lot of study, and I work with a, a PhD who did studies for women around the archetypes in all cultures. And what I learned, and every, everybody used to say, oh, you're so Aphrodite, and I thought that was so cute and sexy and sensual and whatever that was, but what a, what a untruth that is so according to everything i've read and studied about aphrodite she came to teach you how to love yourself it's about self-love it's not about how to get a man to love you or how to be so sexy and beautiful for a man and and you know magnetize him and enchant him so once i started reading the, the truth about her i went oh my god so that really helped me that really helped me because i think i was a little bit of an enchanter and um and a magnetizer and not necessarily in the best way and i think all women go through that at some period in their life um, but when we when we realize the power of loving ourselves so deeply and the value of loving ourselves and how we cherish ourselves without a man without a relationship that's something i've worked on all my life and um, back to the, the book chaos to clarity the story what took me to a place where I thought I loved myself so unconditionally and had so much acceptance and value, but I didn't realize how much I didn't until my beloved had passed because a lot of that was projected again out. I, ha I, I was all about the man plan and getting all my needs met and you know, all of that, right? So um, it really helped me go come back into, I'm gonna say the heart of God within me back to the midline back to my center back to my true power and the power of loving myself and so the book really activated that the chapter that they invited me uh, to write danny's story really had me come full circle and go deeper actually go deeper i don't think we ever arrive honestly i think that we're always on a journey of um revelation yeah, it's a journey not a destination yeah evolution and revelation <laughs> yeah i agree well, I, that's interesting that I didn't realize the relationship to Aphrodite, but I do understand the self-love aspect of it. I think that it, you're right. It has been very skewed. It's, uh, it, she's not a siren. That's, that wasn't the goal. So let's go back in your journey. Take me back. Okay. Um, before my boyfriend, the beloved, before the accident, before the story, how far back would you like me to go? Well, where did things start? Or give us the pre-story to the struggle. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh. So, I've always had a struggle with relationship with men. Because I, I believe I'm insatiable 
You are my spirit animal right now. <laughs> I, am, I am beyond insatiable. It's, it's superhuman. It's supernatural and uh, very passionate. And I command that and demand that and crave that. And so that's, <laughs> some men have said, no man could <laughs> rise up to this. It's not possible. But, but the struggle really was about what was I feeling? Partially, partially, you know, I, I believe I have a Leo rising, I have tremendous passion, you know, I'm an empress, priestess, goddess, I've got all that, but at a level it is what was missing and what am I feeling? So the struggle really, you know, I had great parents, there were issues of course, they, they got divorced and um, I had the best father in the world. And I had a mother who had exquisite gifts and gave me, I, I got the best of her and I left the rest of her. But she had, she had mental imbalances and illness, and it was, wasn't easy. But from that, it, it taught me how to be my best. It taught me how to use my mother's issues to be my training ground so that I didn't have to experience that. I look at everything as, what a beautiful training ground. Let, let me train myself. Let me rise above this and be victorious. So again, back to the book, the story was about you know, tragedy and triumph. And I think my, my whole life struggle has been coming out of the tragedy, tragedy and be triumphant. And it's the phoenix bird rising and, 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 and burning and rising, you know, death and birth and transformation. So um, I've struggled around relationships. I've never married. I've been married in my heart. I've never been a biological mother, but I've raised many and I have two children that are definitely mine. And it's been difficult because I was single parent, raising all these children, and um, financing everything, and the emotional resources that you know. It's like so. I've had a I've had a big struggle around that, not not being married and not being able to have a foundation and a support system that would support me, supporting many children. About twelve of them were inner city. South Central, probably pretty specifically. So it's been, um, I'm grateful and I love all the blessings in disguise, but it's been a struggle. I've had a health crisis that almost killed me a few times, dental issues, big struggle. I'm still struggling with that. And I went from a size three to a size 22 probably. So that's a struggle because being a famous image consultant and you know, having the best of everything and looking the best and then feeling like, oh my God, I lost my, my mojo, sort of, right? Um, that's been a struggle. That's been a big struggle. And just learning to love myself deeper, going deeper and deeper. Like I, I'm a deep diver and I'm going to continue to go forever until I don't, you know, until it's my next breath, my last breath. That part I understand completely. I want to discuss kind of each of these points individually. I understand taking in kids that are, quote, not your own, because yes. I did that for years myself. What inspired you to do that? And you didn't have children biologically. I didn't. I was busy. My family was very close-knit mm -hmm. because they left their family from the East Coast, and it was only my parents. So the four siblings, we were very close-knit, even though there was you know, divorce and strangeness the siblings, we stuck very close to our parents and to each other. So I was busy 
doing a lot of mediation, if you will, <laughs> and um, bringing peace to the storms, right? And I was busy working many, I was working always three or four different jobs. And I'd work, you know, 16 hours a day and I dance about two hours every night and I, I slept two hours a day for 30 years. So I love, my father was a coach and a mentor, high level, high level at high school. And um, I have his gift, thank God, thank you, dad. Um, I saw how he was with children and I saw young, young teens and I saw how inspired they were. And everybody would be looking for my father. We could go anywhere. Gas station wouldn't matter. Water station. They go, Tony Rota, oh my God, do you remember that day you said this to me? It changed my life. So I grew up with that. Probably almost every day of my life in some, in some way. And it was meaningful to me. And I love, I love children. I love children. And I believe that I've come to protect children. This knew something really young. My father really protected me. I felt very protected. And I felt that I've been called to protect children as much as I possibly can and to teach them how to protect themselves. And through spiritual work, you know, prayer, meditation, whatever their spiritual preference is, but not just physical protection, but mind, body, spirit protection. So I just love children and children come to me, young ones. My son always says, oh my God, all my friends like you better than they like me. They want to be with you. I've had that since I'm young. So I think it's just some kind of a, a, an energy, a, a ray of light that calls them. I, of course, love that. I, I myself, you know, have spent a majority of my life doing the same thing. So I appreciate that. And then let's talk about the not getting married or the relationships. I love the insatiability. I don't think that there has to be anything wrong with that. <laughs> no, and you know what? <laughs> I'm not going to make it wrong. No. It's very much a part of me and it's very much the insatiableness and the passions has called so much forward because it's an energetic, it's an energetic and it doesn't always have to be sexual and, you know, sensual. It often is, but it's, you know, I'm sensational about loving children and loving pets and right. All of it. Um, I have been engaged a couple of times, um, and I just couldn't hold that container. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure how to even respond to that. Was it not wanting to actually, was it the institution of marriage? So you got that far. I think was I was afraid subconsciously. There were fears because my parents loved each other deeply. They loved each other till the day they passed. And they were very passionate, um, very passionate in, in positive and negative ways. But it scared me. I'm going to be honest. It scared me. And I didn't want to ever get divorced. So I thought, oh, if I don't get married, I won't get divorced. And then I thought, you know, children is having children is the most sacred mission for the feminine and i would have to meet somebody who was my equal in every way and i never have until four days ago <laughs> okay it's november 2019 we're going to need an update when this uh comes out because four days is i don't know if you know this but it's not a very long time right 
but I've met, I've met my equal in many ways and I never have. And so not comparing or judging, but I know what it takes to raise a child because I was very loved. My parents loved us deeply. And my dad was such an amazing, I prayed every day and told him every day, I pray that every child has a father like you. The world will be a better place. The world will be a better place. So I was just yummied up with my family, busy with my family, raising my brother's kids for 20 years, <laughs> raising my, helping to raise other family members, kids and them, and busy in that, and then busy in the creative arts, busyness, and fear, up to, you know, unconscious fear. It's very interesting that you said, if I don't get married, I'm not divorced, because as someone who... I was also afraid of the same things, but I got married thinking I'm going to do it differently and it's going to work and it didn't. And after three times it does, if it doesn't work and you're divorced, that's the thing. That's my baggage that I feel the most failure around. And it irritates me when other people are like, yeah, well, you know, I've only been divorced once. Well, you've had five relationships where you lived with someone and you were like, where's the line and why is it only a failure if there's paper involved? Right. And, and I don't think it's failure because I believe there's divine alignments and partnerships and soulships to experience what we're here to experience. So I've never saw it as a failure. I, you know, and just to be honest and real, I'm a butterfly and I am a hummingbird. <laughs> and I would say it would take five men to, to satisfy you know, my, my intellect, my creative things, my whatever, all of it, right? And so I always had five boyfriends at, at a time. And most of them were international, so they weren't here every day. But I kind of liked that because I was always, I, love, uh, I loved culture and I loved ancient history and languages. And so I put myself in a place where I would experience that. And I love that. And I'm a double Gemini, got to be overstimulated. You know, I, I just love... So I was busy being a busy bee with men and with my family and with my creative arts. And, and so it's hard to find one person that meets all of the criteria that you're looking for in a relationship. I, I would say <laughs> virtually impossible. However, I met my beloved Danny who passed. He and I had the most tremendous uh, chemistry on all levels and the spiritual i believe now and know now that we ground in the spirit like physical chemistry does a dance it dwanes it's never dwanes for me if i have physical chemistry i have physical chemistry forever but it, you know people are up and down with all of that and if you're not solid with a foundation of spiritual practice whatever that is for you you know i think it cannot be sustainable. That's just my belief. I was going to marry Danny. He asked me what my ring size. He, we looked at a house. So he was going to be the one that I married in this life. Let's go back to meeting him and this story. I know it's something that you've... So Chaos to Clarity, to um, clarify that, is a book that's just been released in the middle of November 2019. Yes. Depending on when you listen to this. And it's 17. It's a, it's a combination. It's 17 people who have written chapters and stories about their struggles, their triumph um, over tragedy or 
the success over the struggle, which is exactly what my podcast is. So I've, I'm interviewing several people that have been writers in this book. And I know your chapter's about Danny, so I want to dig deep, but start with meeting him and why he was different and just the whole relationship. So the whole journey was different. I had been single for nine years and I hadn't had a date or a kiss or anything in nine years. And that would just, you know, nine hours, I wouldn't go without that. Right? So, Amen. So, and I was, uh, for the first time, feeling so happy within my own being without a man. So I needed that nine years. I needed that nine years. And one day my son said to me, I was sitting right here, right here. And he said, mama, I don't think I'm ever going to leave you until you find somebody and you need the emperor. I went, oh, he knows me. And he said, so I think you should start looking. I said, I I'm not going to look. They have to find me. And he said, well, you don't go, you, you only go to business meetings and you're here. And I said, well, then it's going to have to happen. It has to be a divine download alignment, right? And he said, can you just look online? I really fought that because I wasn't even on the computer much and I didn't even enjoy that outside of research and not even emailing people. So he pursued it for who knows how long, a couple of weeks. So finally, I said, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I want a medicine man. I want a native medicine man. I just called that out. And then I said, and he has to have seven planets in Leo or he has to have seven planets in fire. I just called that out. Like he looked at me like, what are you saying? I said, I don't know. I'm just saying it. Shortly after, got on a couple sites, a lot of craziness on the sites, like a lot of, <laughs> a lot of Nigerians behind the scenes you know, trying to get your money. But I was on very short, short time, like two months. And I found this Native American site and I looked around and I thought, oh God, they're, they look like they've all been to prison or done meth or alcoholic, you know, like, no, never, I've never had a drink in my life, never smoked a cigarette. You know, I've been organic since I'm 1961. I've lived a very healthy lifestyle with the exception of two years, a year and a half uh, in my 20s. But um, so I thought, no, this is not my, this is not my energy field. This is not what I've cultivated all my life. So I get off, get off the site and I'm done. My son's like, you done? I said, I'm done. I, I would say a month later, I get this email. Like, what's that? How, how's that possible? I got off the site. I pull, pulled everything down. And he just said, I read your profile. You're very interesting. And I'd like to know more. And so I ignored it. I'm like, <laughs> who is this guy? So I didn't answer. And then a couple more short emails like that. And then I thought, well, let me, let me, let me. I said, how did you get my, I, I'm off the site for a month. And he said, no, I read your profile. I said, okay, we'll prove that. And then he gave me, sent an excerpt, right? Of the profile. And I thought, oh. Well, he must have looked at it a, a long time ago, maybe just saved it. Who knows? So somehow I get back on the site and I look and I, and I see him and I go, no, he's not my type. Benson, Arizona, thin white hair, uh, looks like he's been in jail, diabetes on his profile and disabled. No, <laughs> no, I'm not doing it. So I didn't really get back with him a couple more emails. And then one day he said, he emailed me and said, you're the woman, I believe you're the woman that will tame my soul. And that really struck me. Cause I am a soul tamer. <laughs> I'm a you're like a challenge tamer. accepted. Yeah. I'm a lion tamer and I'm a soul tamer, but that really, that resonated really deep. Long story short, 
two and a half months, we're carrying on. We're finally on the phone, laughing, carrying on. He's in Benson. He never asked me for my photo. And he said, I'd like to come and see you. Can I see you at the end of January? And it was two and a half months later, almost three months. And I said, yes. I said, but you've never asked me for my photo. And I've seen you. And he said, well, I don't care about your photo. I already love you. I love everything about you. I love your heart. That is it. I don't care if you're 500 pounds. And I said, well, the good news is I'm only half of that. And he said, I don't care. I don't care about it. And I went, oh, my God. Like, what is that? Like in the, in my finest days, I never had a man say that, right? Like it was, he was so unconditional. He was so unconditional. So, um, that really opened my heart. And then he said, your mother sent me, your mom sent me and Jesus sent me. And I went, now that's kind of deep because my mother was a big Jesus lover. And I said, what's, what sign are you? And he said, well, I'm a double Aries. And I said, well, my mother was a double Aries. <laughs> so that's really interesting. And, and so, you know, he came, we had a long distance relationship. It wasn't easy because we wanted to be together all the time. My son wasn't happy about me having a relationship. He thought he would be, but he wasn't because he said, oh, he's not the emperor. He needs a kingdom for you. You have to be totally handled mom on every level. I, I'm, I'm not, I like him, but I don't like you're buying him supplements, you know. So I helped him with his health. He had teeth issues like I did. So we, we were resonating on that wound. And he's had many surgeries and he almost died like I did. And he'd been to jail and he'd smoked for 42 years and he, you know, you name it, he did it, alcoholic. But not when I met him, you know, like that was 20, 30 years ago. So I thought, wow, that's fascinating, God. You would bring me the exact thing that I have really not connected with or resonated with in my whole lifetime. I've never had a drink. I don't, you know, it's like, so I thought, okay, what is this about? And I went, okay, this is about my parents. This is about my parents. I started to look at my parents' patterns and parallel my parents' patterns with my relationship with Danny. And we started to talk about it. And we started to look at his parents' patterns. So um, we had a deep spiritual connection. We prayed every night together. He sang to me every night my favorite songs by Brian Adams and Journey every night. He'd sing eight, 10, 12 hours on Saturday. He was hoarse. He was exhausted <laughs> all day long. And we had this yummy, you know, chemistry on every level. But that spiritual thing, we knew we were praying and saying goodnight out of a prayer. And I wasn't the greatest prayer person in my life. I do my own sacred little, you know, thing. And we had that. And it didn't matter what else was happening. That was solid. And I could feel the difference. I could feel and know the difference. And we laughed all the time. It was ridiculous because I barely worked. It was too much laughing. Actually, it was exhausting. It was like six hours a day. And my, my son would go, you're still laughing. I left you five o'clock. It's 11 o'clock. You're still laughing. <laughs> so we had that. We had a lot of joy. But, um, you know, I thought he was going to be around forever. A big illusion. And after I helped him heal, his dental issues, we were going to, about to go in and do the last big major threat, like kind of life-threatening surgery for me. And um, so excited. And he got the bill of health. And this doctor said, Gina, he hasn't looked this good or felt this good since, you know, the late 70s. He's 58. He looks like he's 35. What did you do? So I said, well, first, he's loved unconditionally. I love him. But I put protocols together. And that's what I love to do. It's my passion is I put protocols together for people that will support their life. And um, 
I said to him, I remember saying to him, honey, I'm so excited because I know we have 30 years. We have 30 good quality years. And six weeks later, he's gone. Six weeks later, he's gone. And what was difficult, everything was difficult about him being gone, was that we were in a fight. And I see the whole setup. I can see the setup. I had dreams that he had he was dying. I ignored them. I thought his father was dying. I was thinking, oh, that's his dad. He's 96. It's going to be about him. He's dying. And I talked to my astrologer and she said, oh, he has a death T-square on his birth, uh, on June 4th. And I went, wow, that's coming up. This was in April, the end of April. And I said, I told Danny to go do what he said he wanted to do on June 4th. So long story short, we we're in a fight, but just before the fight, it was his birthday, he turns 58, and his wife who killed herself, he's had a lot of tragedy in his life, came to him in a dream and he woke up in the morning, he called me, said, honey, I'm so excited, my wife came to get me. And I went, this is like around April 25th, 26th, and I felt something. I said, what do you mean she came to get you? He said, well, we were flying in heaven and she was showing me everything and we were so happy. It was like, and he was describing like a very spiritual heavenly experience actually. But I felt nauseous. I felt really sick. And he said, she wants me to take my son because when she died, he was 12. He said, to go see where his mother came from and in Mendocino and show him the places that we took him as a baby. So he said, so I'm going to go do that. I'm going to do that right away, honey. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Your son's graduating in three or four weeks. I have my dental surgery, May 31st. We've planned everything. Can't you just wait to June 4th? I pulled that date out of the air. And he said, well, I don't really want to, but I said, well, talk to your son. See if he even wants to go. You got to ask him. And I said, if, if you give me a few days, I can recover. Then you can drop me in LA on your way to up north and then you can pick me up on the way back if that works for you and he said yeah no that'll be good well when do you think he got killed he got killed on june 4th i pulled that date out of the ethers and i don't know you know he might not have been, he would not even have been in that location where he was right so a lot of mystical things a lot of spiritual things i did pray that night i had a horrible night of burning was burning up and showers prayer nothing changed the burn and I used to call him firepower so I was thinking okay I'm burning something off with firepower but at 2 30 in the morning I remember looking at the clock because I'm praying from about noon midnight ish or a little before and I'm tired but I'm still praying and I look at the clock and I think it said 2 30 or 2 35 burning up from the inside out and never had such a sensation and nothing altered it I said, okay, God, if you want me to be with Danny, I want you to show me in a way I understand. And if he is not for me and you do not want me to continue this journey, then you need to remove him out of my life in a way I understand. I've prayed that prayer one other time and, and someone was definitely, he was taken out of my life completely. And not, not by death, but by, and I've never seen him again from the day he left actually. So I said, well, I know this works because I've done it. So I said, okay, God, I'm just being real. You want me, I'm in it. If you don't, thy kingdom come, they will be done. Show me and I will do it. I will be it. 
get up in the morning, go do a healing because I felt really sick. I didn't feel like myself. I come back and a, a Native American medicine woman called me. She said, Gina, did you get my message? I said, no. She said, oh my God, Danny died last night around 2.45 in the middle of the night. And I went, what? So shock, you trauma, crying, you can imagine. To have that unresolved with him, because we had such a deep spiritual connection. I waited for him to call me. If we ever got in anything weird, he called instantly, go, honey, I'm sorry. Let's clear this up. Let's clean this up. Let's move on. So I'm waiting. So it's five weeks, nothing. Except for on my birthday, he sends me an email. He said, happy birthday. God bless you and your family. And he didn't even sign his name. And I thought that was very strange. So there were a couple signs and wonders that, that tapped me, you know. Um, he took a job that I asked him to take. I asked him just to start to tow a little bit. He used to tow, his best friend's owned a big tow thing in Benson. And I said, just to get out a little bit, just do it three or four hours a day, not at night. Please don't do it at night. We had all these agreements. And I said, it would help your son too, to see you working again. And you can bring your son with you. And you did when he was little and a bonding. And, you know, we had all the reasons. Well, he got killed doing a tow. Oh God. Uh, when did the realization of all the timing hit you? And what was the guilt like? Was well, there guilt? Yeah. Shortly after, shortly after, I think after the funeral, um, it started flooding. Everything started coming in. And then my son remembered I said things to him and he was reminding me. It's like, yeah. remember you went to the astrologer and she said, death T-square. And then I pull out the notes and I look and I went, oh my God, she said he could die. And she said a lot of things that I didn't take on or take in. So it was right there. Um, he said some things. Um, I had told him about my dreams. He said, well, I hope it's not Danny. And I went, well, here we are. So at first I felt really, you know, I have to be honest. I don't know if I've ever felt really guilty. I, I, I don't relate with guilt or shame or blame. I, I never have, but I think I felt like I called something forth that was supposed to happen or that I tuned into something that was already in play that was supposed to happen. Right. I would, I mean, personally, that's, I'm glad that you didn't feel guilt because you shouldn't have. No. That's no. why I asked. Yeah. I don't want to um, feel guilty. No, there's no reason for it. Yeah. I, I think I felt sad that we were, we didn't get to say goodbye. And I had many dreams yeah. to go visit him. And I heard, I heard, I'm not going to go visit him. He didn't call me. I'm never going there. So you know, I have that real rise and that ego, right? But it, it was all, you know, if everything is divine right timing and divine right action, then there's nothing to question. But it took me, you know, I missed him. I missed him. My God. And it was shocking. And I loved his parents and I was mentoring his children and close to his children. So there were a lot of layers. And I didn't want to stay down in Benson. My son's missing me. My, you know, so. so then I come back and I break my foot and I injure, seriously injure my knee and injure my hip and my SI joint. And I thought, I get it. I can't move forward. I don't know how to move forward without him. And it was my right side, which is the masculine. So, you know, I, 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 I understood all of it, but it was still, I had to deal with it. I had to process it. I had to feel my feelings and be in shock and 
feel the tragedy for his parents and his, my God, his parents were devastated. I was more devastated for them in a way because that was their little cub. They loved him madly. He lived with them. He helped to taking care of them and his children. So eventually I had to unplug from all of it because it was just too heavy all the time. It was every memory of Danny. It was every, you know, feeling from his parents and his children. It was every kind of why and what and how. Oh my God, I, I can't swim in this 24 seven. It, it will take me out. I want to address the, I, I, I mean, yes, you have to move on also. Yes. There's, yes. I want to address how you did that. Um, because you lost someone that you love, that you were planning on spending your life with, yeah. that you had that connection with. I want, can you tell me what you did to move forward? And you're having health issues at the same time. Yes, having health issues and really yeah. injured and a lot of pain. I created that, right? I know what that was about. Um, I didn't want to move forward, to be really honest with you. But I knew for, I was being called to my mission and purpose. And I also realized that this, I had to leave the, Dan, the, the man plan, the Danny man plan, so that I could really do my mission and purpose. And I, I wasn't functioning well. I was not functioning well, and I wasn't well on any level. But a friend of mine invited me here to run her bed and breakfast in Bel Air. And her husband plays drums on my music. He was the drummer for the Gypsy King. And they're very cultured. And, you know, we have this deep vibe together and, and fun and music. And, and I said, I don't really want to come. I don't feel good. I just got a bad report from the dentist. And I just had a prolapse with my uterus and everything. It's like I was really really on my way out, I think. And she said, well, you pray and meditate like you always do and call me and let me know. So, and her best friend is dying and she's there in the hospital praying every day and every night she's called me from the hospital. So I'm like, I don't want to be in this. I just don't want to be in this conversation even. So I prayed and, med and meditated uh, the next night and I heard you're going and I went, I'm going? I'm not going anywhere. Oh yeah, you're going. <laughs> like, oh God, packed up, called her, packed up. Landed in Bel Air, Fresh Prince, Princess of Bel Air, uh, July 19th, 2017. And what a magical mystery tour that was. People from all over the world, like I was crippled and she looked, I said, I don't think I could do it physically. You have three stories, I have to climb up and down 30 times a day. I said, that I don't think I can do. You know, I needed maybe a couple of assistants. So she got me one assistant, but when I landed, and she looked at me, she goes, my God, what happened to you? Because she'd seen me three years before, before I left. And, I, and I, she said, I don't think you can do this. My God, like you've aged 20 years. I aged very quickly, actually, after he passed. <laughs> so that challenged me. So I said, wait a minute, I'm here. I was told to get here. And I'm walking up those stairs, but I had to crawl, almost crawl. And they were leaving the next day. I had no... I had to do it. I had to sink or swim. So I did it. And I was there until two, about two months ago, meeting beautiful beings from all over the world, doing a lot of readings and supporting a lot of people in their crises and tragedies. I just read for two sisters that they lost their sister. So I was put in, I, I wasn't able to travel and I love to travel, but I wasn't able to, but the world came to me. And so everybody that showed up, we had a divine, uh, 
purpose together and a divine arrangement. So it was exquisite on that level. What happened to your health during this? You're talking about two years. Yeah. What happened to your health during this time? I was in a lot of pain and I'm, I'm heavy. And so at night I was in more pain, but I don't complain because it's pain. What am I going to do? I've got to move through it and I'm not enjoying it to be honest, but um, I thought, you know what? I'm here for a high purpose. I'm going to do what I was sent here to do and be an experience and I'm going to make the best of it. And so I had an acupuncturist up the street I had two sessions a week. I had a famous chiropractor, intuitive. You know, I, I'm, 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 I'm into that. I, mm -hmm. I source the highest and the best of everything. Services, technologies. I had lasers, high level lasers. So I just say, you know, show me what to do and I'll do it. And then just recently, quite honestly, and I'd like to speak on this because the transition and the transformation of what just happened with my health mm -hmm. is a miracle that I never expected in this life. And I love miracles and I live in miracles. Someone brought me something that has to do with a, a infrared of our skin, a patch that activates our copper peptides in our own stem cells. And I didn't realize what it was. I didn't even care. I just said, let me give it to me. Let me see if it works. I know if something works, it doesn't work in four nights. So let's call it five days, completely out of pain in my knee on both sides, in my groin, my SI joint, in my hip not to return and that was about 10 weeks ago. Such a miracle, such a blessing. I have my vitality back, my mobility back. So I felt like that was my blessing for all the loving service that I provided at this tree house. I uh, wanna make sure, I wanna clarify or condense it. I feel like in your worst moment, when things were the most difficult for you yes. with Danny passing away and with your health, which, I agree is connected. You, what you did was one, you were open to different ways of healing, yes. which I love. Multiple and, ways of healing. Right. And I, that's like my favorite, just being open to the possibility. And I always think no harm, no foul. If it's not doing anything to hurt you, why wouldn't you be open to it? Yes. So you did that. You opened yourself up and you may have, you may be like that more um, throughout your whole life, but I still, I still want to pause because I think that's a great tool to have is just to be open to the possibilities. Yeah. And then you spent your time and energy helping other people get better. Yes, service. Yes. Right. So those were the, the, those were the two biggest tools you used in the most difficult time. Yes. Loving service. And I, I, I live in loving service, but not at this level. I'm working with nine, 12, 15 people a day who all have a lot of needs, who are exhausted, right? So it's like, and I got paid to run the treehouse, but I did over 2,500 readings for free. Wow. Okay, yeah. so I never talked to you about the financial side of your business or life through your whole life, um, but that's outstanding. Yeah, pro bono. You know, it wasn't the two hours that I normally read, but sometimes it was an hour and sometimes it was multiple family members and I was happy to do it. So I serve them breakfast and then I sit with them and they start talking to me and then I'll read for them. And, and, and the owner said to me, at least 2,500 people you did that for. And I think that you're getting wiped out and that you can't continue to do that at that level. That was a lot of people in, right. a year and a half, in a year and a half. I stopped doing that about a half a year ago. 
So where's the balance between giving selflessly to others, which feeds your soul, yes. but it's also exhausting. And that self-love, taking care of yourself and doing what you need to for yourself to even be there for other people, because that had to have been a balance. And now, and you're not doing that any longer. Yeah, that's a beautiful question. And thank you for that question. Um, it's always about balancing. I've had a tendency to spoil myself with a lot of massages and healing work. I had people come to the house, the tree house. It's called the tree house Bel Air. And um, I'm also very filled and inspired by loving people unconditionally and just being an open vessel for them and being in service. So if you're really in service, you don't get exhausted. Great point. Okay, great point. Really in service. And there's been times when I haven't been really in service and times I have been really in service, right? Yeah. So um, I've always nurtured and nourished myself and cared for myself. But, you know, I'm ex I have great extreme you know, extreme, like, and um, how I do it is I, I, I heal thyself, you know, heal or heal thyself, heal thyself, love thyself, know thyself, know thyself, love thyself, heal thyself. So I stayed in people coming, healing me every week and working with me. And, and, and I was so happy. I was in joy. Um, I, I, I was happy. I, I moved on. I was moving on. I was still in shock and still sad and missing him, you know, mm -hmm. and I did have grief. I had serious grief. I had a healer work on me. She said, oh my God, you have the spirit of grief and it's dangerous. It could take your life. It's that serious. But I'd also lost 13 of my closest friends in a two year period. So it wasn't just Danny. It was Danny. Yes. But it was my greatest soul ships in my life had also left. So it's been a heavy three and a half years, I'll tell you that. Understandably. Yeah. Now you're, you moved on, you felt like it was time to move on from that. And that's just been from this recording a few months ago. And you have yes. your website, you were part of Chaos of Clarity, which yeah. helped you through that process, understandably. Yeah very cathartic experience and, very. and and it was hard i would cry and weep and and kathleen god bless her i'll tell you uh so held my hand and so knew that i had to have this story in the book and that i had to be activated to do more books and, and writing and so she just she knew she was sent and i was so grateful and, and we had an interesting past and history how that even came together it just came full circle I met her 11 years before, and then all of a sudden I'm, you know. Which is how a lot of things happen. Tie yeah. us up on the, let's end on that high note of what you're doing now and how you're continuing forward with your health and with giving back to people or holding their space. Yes, definitely holding space. So, you know, I am focused on health and wellness. And so I'm working with the, these patches that I've given to a couple of hundred people who've all had some kind of a miraculous experience. So it's not just me, which I love. And it's about light. It's about full-time therapy. And I, I think that we are, all, I believe we're all light beings and sound and light is what's going to heal humanity and the universe, right? So working with that, um, coaching people with their health and their wellness. And I am doing readings. I still have, you know, oh, great good. Reports. Oh yeah, I love readings. People, yeah, they just they they want it, and I yeah. 
and um, working on the coaching app and then working on writing. I'm, I'm starting to look at the books and how to get started and write a book. And I've been invited to do my own radio show. What? Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, with Dreams Vision 7. So I'm going to take that on because for many years I've been told, Gina, you're a show. You need to do TV and radio. And I'd laugh and I'd go, you know what? I'm, I'm just a show in the street. Like I'm a show every day, but I don't have to do a show. <laughs> right. But I'm open and willing to receive and, and share and shine the rays of light that I need to, that I'm being called to. Gina, thank you so much for sharing your story. <laughs> You're so welcome. And I want to thank you so much for the interview. You're amazing, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> your energy and your questions. And I want to thank, you know, Patricia uh, and uh, Kathleen again, Chaos to Clarity. It's a beautiful, yeah. poignant and um, sacred stories uh, of transformational change. And that's what we're here about is changing and transforming and transcending. 